everybody, welcome back to the podcast daily for Wednesday, December 7th. This is Bill Landis. That is Jeremy Birmingham. Berm, there's like nothing going on in college football, right? We've heard nothing. We're for sure in all things to talk about. Nothing. <laughs> so and that's that's why it's so great that you had time to get a haircut on Tuesday. You look <laughs> magnificent. Um, and, you know, you look like a guy who's prepared for the battle that we're all um, diving into over the next few weeks because it is rough out there. It is not a good time to be involved in college football. Um, I imagine on the administrative side or the coaching side or the personnel side, uh, because it's pretty rough for us on the media side. And we're just, you know, kind of like the least important people in the entire thing. But uh, yeah, this, this is weird. I, I, I can't imagine that it's what people, um, I, oh, let me say this way. Like, what did you expect was going to happen? You know what yeah, I mean? Like when, right, right. when you open up what is essentially free agency along with, um, paying players for the first time. I think it should have really been like one or the other, you know, like the transfer portal exists or NIL, like to do this all at once and watch everything kind of um, just explode the way it has right now. It, it is hard to keep up. It sure would be nice to just be able to kind of focus on the fact that Ohio State is, you know, playing in a playoff game <laughs> in less than a month, but uh, we're not quite in a position to, to do that just yet. Uh, we are waiting to hear from Ohio State on some potential availability with players this week. Hopefully that happens. But in the meantime, uh, there is some stuff to talk about. I think we will, we'll get into some of that from the transfer portal and recruiting stuff, but um, I thought maybe it would be good to maybe follow up a little bit on what Austin and I talked about on the Tuesday edition of the daily as it pertains to Kevin Wilson, who has now officially taken the Tulsa head coaching job. Actually, I think he's doing his uh, introductory press conferences. You and I are recording this on Tuesday evening. Um, what is your anticipation or expectation, I suppose, on how this proceeds for Ohio State and how Ryan Day might want to fill that void on his coaching staff? Um, it's interesting because I think that there are two very distinct ways that Ryan day has handled things in the last couple of years when he's had openings on his staff, there's the way when, when things are, are fine and it's not really like necessary to completely overhaul things. He generally seems to prefer the idea of promoting from within the Buckeyes have gone out of their way in the last couple of years to find roles for Keenan Bailey, uh, in the, in the coaching staff and, um, with the promise that eventually there's going to be a spot for you here uh, on the full-time assistant coaching payroll. That seems like it's probably the right decision uh, because Keenan Bailey is one of the most well-regarded young people in the entire sport. Um, but I know that there's going to be a segment of the fan base that will be unsatisfied by that because they think that Ohio State needs to renovate or, or, or you know reinvigorate some things by bringing in some outside influence and outside voices. But I don't think that's really necessary to do on the offensive side of the ball right now, unlike a year ago on the defensive side of the ball when Ryan Day said, everyone's gone, I'm, I'm doing my own thing. I just don't think it's the same scenario. I don't think it is either. I, I, I think there is a, a balance there that Ryan Day needs to continue to be careful to strike in terms of sticking with the familiar, promoting from within, but also inviting in outside ideas. And, and I think maybe at times he has perhaps leaned too much into the familiar and like certainly with maybe the not this most recent defensive overall, but, but prior to that, just sort of standing pat after the 2020 season, kind of shuffling some things around. Um, that that can get you in trouble at times. I don't think the offense is close to being in that position. Uh, at least I'm not personally worried about that. I think it could use some tweaks here and there. Um, I'm I'm not on alert for like Ryan Day to, to give up play calling. I know it's a major point of contention, or at least it seems that way, among the fan base. I, and I'm not saying it shouldn't. 
Um, but I also, you know, don't want to belabor a point that, that is unnecessary if we don't think that Ryan Day is ultimately going to do that. So um, I'm I'm much more of the mind that someone gets promoted, whether that's Justin Fry or Brian Hartline gets an expanded role or Tony Alfred gets an expanded role that I am on alert for him bringing in some, whether it's a well-known name or not, coordinator who may or may not be calling plays and, and give this offense a more significant revamp. Well, the entire tagline for the program in the last five years has been developed here, right? Like that is what they want to do. That is the preference for not just Ryan Day, but for Ohio State when it comes to coaches, when it comes to players. You don't want to spend six years developing a young coach like Ohio State has done with Keenan Bailey and then allow him to walk out the door and go, you know, take what he's learned and do it elsewhere. Yeah. Um, that said, it's still only December 7th. Uh, the coaching carousel has barely even begun to, to start moving. There's going to be a ton of moving parts that happen between now and January 15th. And so you have to uh, consider the fact that Kevin Wilson may still not be the only offensive coach that leaves. I mean, there, we don't know what's going to happen in Indiana. We've talked about Justin Fry already and as him potentially being a guy that would, that would suit their needs uh, if the Hoosiers decide to make a coaching change. I don't think they're going to yet, but it's certainly not outside of the realm of possibility. Tony Alford is a name that has been linked to a number of jobs around the country for the last handful of years. If he wants to be an offensive coordinator and strike his own path somewhere else, maybe there's an opportunity for him to do that. Uh, that changes things. I don't believe that Ohio State's in a position where they know exactly everything that's going to happen. But if you look at just the offensive staff, the, the, what I think would probably happen is that Justin Fry, Brian Hartline, Tony Alford all get some sort of change toe co 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 title because ultimately ryan day as you said will be the one that's calling plays and until he decides to give that up i don't think that you will see ohio state do anything as far as bringing in like one of the hot names around the country like you know lincoln riley's brother or, or something like that where i know people you know he, he's done a great job at tcu he'd be exciting but i don't know if ryan day's in that mind space yet and, and again they're trying to win a national championship still so some of the stuff just feels like it's so forced to even have to consider it but everything in college football has sped up to a point where it's untenable and, and we have to just like try to prognosticate what happens six weeks from now when we have no idea what's going to happen two days from now. Yeah. That, that's, that's kind of the funny thing about this is <clears throat> we're trying to prognosticate down the road of what the offensive staff might look like and what changes we may, we think like may or may not need to take place on that staff. And, but in the back of my head, I'm just like, well, what if they win a national championship? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then what, then what? Like that's still, that's still on the table. Like, and, and I guess it goes the other way too. Like what happens in that semifinal against Georgia could, could maybe lead Ryan day to a different place with the offensive staff than perhaps he's thinking right now. But I just, yeah, if you like, get boat raced, like you did in 2016 right. against Clemson, maybe Ryan day finds a different perspective and says, well, okay, we just got beat 31, nothing. Maybe I do have to make bigger right. changes than I thought. I mean, so I just it, it's it's hard to get your mind wrapped around around it all right now. Yeah, it's weird. That, that just speaks to the, the odd uh, nature of the timing of all this, I suppose. Uh, let's uh, let's flip over to some um, recruiting stuff uh, or, or I guess maybe I'm, I'm more curious about like what it's like in the Woody right now for the people um, in charge of personnel and roster management with the portal going wild the way it is. You wrote a story on OhioState.Rivals.com on Tuesday about. Um, some of the battles they're fighting with the recruiting class as well. What What is the balance right now between um, managing, I guess, guys coming and going in the portal and also trying to, to keep tabs on this 2023 class or trying to sign in a few weeks? Uh, just, you know, the the mood is just one of sort of, it's not panic, but it's a lot of people just kind of pulling their hair out at both ends because you don't have any idea 
from day to day what's going to happen. Uh, you have a handful of commitments that should be secure. Uh, you know, guys like Jermaine Matthews, a four-star cornerback from Cincinnati, who in, in a normal world, in, in the old recruiting world, here we are 10 days before signing day, 12 days before signing day, whatever it is, uh, they wouldn't have even thought about it. That oh this guy we got to worry about this in the last two weeks of before the signing period. But now, when you look around the country and you see places like Miami who decided, hey, we liked what we got out of this NIL push in the first few months. Let's 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 up the ante and, and really go crazy. You know, Ohio State is, is is going to be forced to make some tough decisions when it comes to how they want to handle the NIL space moving forward because it, it's it sounds good and 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 you should be as a program like committed to doing the right thing. But right now, there is nobody guarding the watchtower, and, and people are the, the there are no rules. And so, how do you continue to play by rules that you expect will be rules, but like they're not rules now? So, what do you do? Um, it, it's harder than it should be. It's harder than it's ever been. I said on the message board uh, on Tuesday on OhioState.Rivals.com that for me personally, covering recruiting, this has been the most challenging cycle that I've ever had to deal with because the 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 priorities the the things that used to matter the most have been completely turned upside down. And I don't think, and this goes back to sort of what I was saying earlier, it's sort of in jest about NIL or the transfer portal. Let's have one or the other, but like these young people who are in these positions are not ready to have the amount of money that's being thrown at them. And it, <laughs> it makes it very difficult to make a, a, a smart decision. Now, not, sometimes taking the money is the smart decision. Sometimes, um, you know, it's not like Ohio State's not putting together any sort of NIL package for players. They are. Uh, so let's be clear about that. It's not in the same ballpark as what's happening in some of the NIL um, heavy discussions that you see in the SEC and ACC with Miami, uh, USC, Oregon, Texas, et cetera. It's just not the same. So I, I struggle with that a little bit because I, I, I understand that that is the reality. and that Ohio state, I suppose like wants to do things a, a certain way while they're waiting for, for something to change. And in my mind, it's like, it's just not going to change. Like I, I don't, yeah. the NCAA is not, it's not going to do anything. So what are you waiting around for? It's like, I, I guess like when, when does it come to the point where Ohio state has to disregard that line of thinking and play ball? Or do you just think they'll, they'll never do that? Uh, I don't think anyone who, watches Ohio State, roots for Ohio State, works at Ohio State, will be content with mediocrity. So at some point, it's going to happen. Um, the question is, who's going to pay the bill when it does? <laughs> That's yeah. really the biggest question. Ohio State has millions of, of, of big money donors. Um, a lot of those people right now would prefer to have their names on a building than to help bring in a football player. And it is going to require a wholesale change in philosophy for Buckeyes fans and, and Buckeyes donors and, and Buckeyes alum. I mean, it, it is going to change. If you look at what happens at Georgia, you have Coca-Cola paying for players. I mean, it's not directly, of course, but there they are people who are in the very high, high levels of working for Coca-Cola and major uh, real estate developments uh, or developers around Georgia who are saying, hey, Kirby, here's all this money. Do whatever you want with it. We're fine. They're taking meetings with individual players until you see, um, you know, the limited group and stuff like that doing that directly uh, with recruits, which, I, again, it's weird because nobody wants that to happen. But I, it is hard to imagine a world where it doesn't at some point because the, the facts are 
Ohio State is going to run into a situation where they're going to have to make some 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 tough calls and say, hey, you know, do we want to do this? I, I think Georgia is the perfect example because Georgia had with Mark Richt, a coach and man that everyone genuinely loved and respected. Uh, he was a guy who was there for a long time, did things the right way. Georgia could not get over the hump with Mark Richt. They could not get over the competitive disadvantage they were at in the SEC because a number of other schools were doing things that Georgia at that time was not comfortable doing. It's not a surprise that when they decided to move on from Mark Rick, they went and got uh, the right-hand man of Nick Saban. <laughs> uh, the, the, the lessons have been learned. And the program there, even the people in the media that cover that team, like there was a moment where like, well, gosh, we don't, we, you know, you can stand on principle and be like, we're, we're one of the teams to do it the right way. Didn't take long for them to be like, hey, this is the new world. Let's money, money, money. I mean, you can Johnny Manziel it all you want. Like they realized this is how you win. And now, ooh, now Georgia's won their first national championship in 40-some years. It's weird how that happens. And now they're getting, you know, better players than ever before. It is a risk. Look at Texas A&M. Like, you, have, you do have to find a way to balance this stuff out because once you start handing over the keys of, of like, roster management to boosters, ooh, we saw that's not, that's not good. Yeah, that that is the thing that I think gets lost sometimes. Is it's like throwing money at at the roster construction does not necessarily guarantee success. Um, and in fact, if you actually did a study on it, it probably guarantees a, a lack of success more than anything. There there are teams that I think have have uh, have it organized in a way that does portend success. But I think by and large, some of these programs that are fully embracing NIL and the way we're talking about it are just sort of flying by the seat of the pants. And I don't know that I've seen any tangible results uh, to this point that suggest that those programs are actually going to take a step forward. But in the meantime, it still is making life difficult, I think, on a program like Ohio State that is trying to toe that line um, and encountering some battles because of it. And I just don't know like where if Ohio State decided it wanted to change in that regard, I don't even like where does it even start? Does it start with a total rethinking of the booster culture at Ohio State? Does it start with administration? Like I I don't know. That's that's the hardest part to figure out. It, it, because if we're being fair and objective about this, obviously there were years where Ohio State was reviewed, uh, rev, you know, looked at as one of the, the dirty programs around the country because they had mm. small time boosters doing small time things, but that the world has changed now. Like it's not doesn't matter if, if someone buys you a cell phone anymore. Like who cares? Like that's that's what Ohio State got a reputation for was was, you know, Terrell Pryor driving a Nissan 300 Z that was 10 years old. I mean, th this is what <laughs> we're dealing with. It, it's not the same world. And in a lot of these places that we're talking about, especially in the SEC, I don't want to call it one conference, but everybody knows how it is. Um, the infrastructure has been there for a long time. Like they know what they're doing. And, you know, I, we've joked in the past that NIL stands for now it's legal and now it's legal. Like they have the infrastructure already in place. They have the channels and, and the, the, the proverbial tunnels of how do you get this amount to, to point A from, from point A to point B. Ohio State doesn't have that. And so you are going to have to figure out a way to do that quickly uh, if, if that's the road you go down. Or, again, you sit down and you wait for, for the NCAA to, to, to do something. But it seems like they've pretty much abdicated their post and said, hey, we don't care what happens because we all know in four years there's going to be four major conferences and all this other stuff. You know, we're going to have the 12-team playoff. They're going to make more money than ever. We're going to see four major conferences. There's not going to be any rules. Who cares? It's going to be the wild west. Baby. It's it's Can't wild, we... man. I, I I don't understand. <laughs> I don't. I just can't understand how 
people in charge in, in Indianapolis have been able to have just sat back and said, you know what? It's good. I mean, I, they decided to essentially eliminate the enforcement arm of the NCAA during the 2020 season because of COVID for some reason, as though that wasn't going to, you know, people like that's when everyone broke more rules uh, because you had to, to even, you know, have conversations with kids. So how do you, how do you just leave it and say, Oh, oh we're good. We're good. We're good. Now let's just change the entire face of the sport but make sure we have nobody enforcing any rules. So there's literally one rule when it comes to NIL, literally one can't be used as a recruiting inducement period. It it's clearly being used everywhere as a recruiting inducement. And in many cases, far more gratuitously than others. So how do you just uh, decide that eh, it's okay. We're not going to actually pay attention to this one. rule. So it's ridiculous. <clears throat> yeah, I think I think it's probably that this just got way, way too big for the NCAA to possibly control. And if there are people in Columbus or elsewhere hoping for guardrails to be put in place, I think that first step in that is a, as you alluded to, a total restructuring of the sport itself and certain powers kind of consolidating to set those ground rules. And it is anyone in Indianapolis ever having the, the, the teeth to do something like that. Cause I just don't think they do. Yeah. And they never did to begin with. And that's actually the, the dirty secret of it. I mean, that, that's why it's frustrating. I think if, if you're an Ohio state fan and you look back at the, the Jim Trestle uh, resignation slash termination, like if Ohio state just said, screw you, we're not going to play along. They couldn't have done anything anyway. The, <laughs> the only time you ever get in trouble with the NCAA is when you self admit blame. And, and some of that is just a big 10 issue. It is a culture issue in the big 10 that they want to be above it. They want to be a, a little bit higher class uh, and, and not be only worried about what happens on the athletic uh, playing fields. But everyone realizes that the way you get higher endowments and the way you get more students and better enrollment is by having more successful football programs. I mean, look at the change in Alabama as a university in the last 10 years and the enrollment strictly because Nick Saban's decided to win a national championship every other year. Like that's why people go there now. So like these two things are part and parcel and you can't just say, well, we're going to be, we're going to be better than those other guys. Like you're not because they're beating you. Now they're beating you on the field and they're having a higher, you know, more endowment in their, in their endowment funds and they're getting better enrollment. Like what you have to figure out a way to make it all work. And it's difficult to say the least. No doubt about that. Uh, anything else on your mind before we wrap up this episode of the daily? No, uh, Andrew Ellis and I will have a, a more in-depth uh, talking stuff about, you know, everything in the class of 2023, where things stand for Ohio state uh, to kind of mirror what I talked about, uh, what I wrote about on Tuesday at Ohio state that rivals.com. But um, you know, we are still waiting as Bill said to determine if we're going to get some player availability on, on Wednesday, Ohio state coaches likely will be on the road. Uh, um, Kevin Wilson will be in Tulsa. We know that. So, um, <laughs> You know, hopefully we can get some clarity on what the plan is for Ohio State in replacing him. I imagine that Keenan Bailey will be immediately put on the road in place of Kevin Wilson uh, for these last two weeks of the recruiting cycle, which if you're a Buckeyes fan looking at it from a is that a gain or, or, or a loss, Keenan Bailey is a dynamic electric recruiter. He is one of those guys that uh, is as responsible for the current commitments of Brandon Ennis and Carnell Tate and Noah Rogers as anybody else is. I mean, obviously Brian Hartline gets a lot of the headlines and he should, but Keenan Bailey has been a very, very vital, um, you know, Robin to, to Brian Hartline's Batman. So getting him on the trail and working for Ohio state, um, these next two weeks will not hurt. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that uh, Ohio state <clears throat> has put so much effort into keeping him around. So, and which I think leads us to believe that, that, you know, 
he is likely probably to get some kind of elevation here on the staff as Ryan Day tries to figure that out. Um, a lot going on. Staff changes, recruiting, transfer portal, and oh, by the way, Ohio State is gearing up for a playoff game on December 31st against Georgia in the Peach Bowl. Plenty of more coverage and discussion coming about all those things here at the podcast and at OhioState.Rivals.com. For Berm, I am Bill. We'll talk to you guys next time.